Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, continuing on today with our expectations series uh, on the players. I hope you've, you've already heard one or two of these already. Uh, today, we're going to look at Devin Duvernay and Zacoby McLean. So an interesting pair. Uh, joining me today for that is Jason Smith. Jason, how are you doing? Ken, I'm doing really well. How are you doing today? Okay. Uh, no, no problems. Uh, life is good. Like we, life uh, is like good. I always like to say. Uh, really happy that you take a player like Zacoby McLean. A lot of people like to take popular players, but I can always depend on Jason to take a deeper dive into uh, some of the guys, particularly guys he's just looked at from a scouting perspective for draft work. 
he's doing. I really appreciate that, Jason. Yes, no problem. And I was happy to get McLean. Uh, it's a guy that did not make my draft board, but somebody that I watched playing in the SEC and being very productive. So him and Duvernay, good pair we have here today. All right. Well, let's let's uh, start by talking about. Well, let's start by telling people where they can talk football with you. Your your Twitter handle for right now. We'll get your other stuff at the end. Sure, you can talk football at Huddle It Up Films. I'm sure Ken will have that on Twitter. Sign up, give us a follow, and uh, and don't be afraid to interact. Great content from Jason. Make sure you you uh, ask him some questions, get him involved in the conversations. Add him as an at occasionally in a discussion you're having. I think you'll uh, you'll be really happy with the results. So let's talk about Devin Duvernay for a second first. And obviously, a guy entering year three has has met the standard as a return man. Uh, really has not become a true NFL receiver at this point, much more just a plain gadget guy. Yes, that's the big question for me, Ken, and uh, something I think is the focal point of the show is whether this year, especially with the absence of Hollywood Brown and at the time of this recording, no one has been added. I expect the Ravens to add a free agent receiver, but as of now, no one has. We don't know the uh, ability or the role that person would have. Is Devin Duvernay going to be used the same way he has been used in his first two years, or is he going to pick up some of Hollywood's routes and the way that they used Hollywood out there on the right sideline mostly? Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think that is the the central issue here. And just to review what Duvernay's done, um, he hasn't been terrible by any means, but he's been used as a gadget guy. And what we mean by that is he's used to really threaten um, uh, motion or sorry, th- sorry, threaten uh, one side of the defense, usually left or right, um, by using jet motion by uh, once out of the backfield, which was kind of interesting in sidecar. And Jason and I were both calling for that last year and, and uh, finally came to fruition for one snap. One time. <laughs> and then we thought, why not more? You know, that seemed to work out well. The Ravens didn't really have an outside speed threat, you know, to, to play sidecar other than Tyson Williams, who wasn't getting on the field. Uh, and uh, anyway, it, it, they didn't ever go back to it, which was kind of a shame. So there may be something hidden we didn't see about practices with that. Yes, not sure why that wasn't uh, utilized or why Duvernay wasn't utilized in that way because you don't have to have a you don't have to have the playbook mastered for something like that. If you can, uh, if you trust Duvernay and Lamar or Huntley in that uh, you know extended handoff, the read read option type thing, yep. then Duvernay doesn't have all he has to do is get to the edge. Basically, that's the goal. Cut it back if there's you know a lane there, and and that's something that we see Duvernay. Uh, do really well, especially on punt returns, Ken, where he's mm-hmm. his, often his first move is sideways before he turns it upfield. So, um, you know, if it's a a high kick, for for example, and he's, but by the way, he's got a lot of courage on that, uh, or those punt returns. Uh, something I was noticing re- reviewing him is he will catch it with somebody bearing down on him. And, and like I said, head towards the sideline before he heads up, uh, catch it in traffic. Uh, and I think that that's something, Ken, that we should mention. I thought his decision-making on punt returns early in the year, this has nothing to do with him as a receiver, so I apologize. No, but it's fine. They were a little shaky, I thought, in those first three or four games. And I'm thinking, man, Harbaugh's not going to take too much of this as a special teams guy or really any coach. I was expecting maybe Prochet to get a shot there just because he's more shorthanded. And, well, they're both shorthanded, but to see Prochet's decision-making. Uh, and Duvernay improved in that uh, night and day, all-pro returner. So, uh when you make the all pro team, no matter if it's just special teams or not, I, I'd say Duvernay had a pretty pretty darn good year, but will his role be expanded this year is is the main question. 
Yeah, by by any, I think I would agree by any uh, means. His his kick returning and punt returning, but mostly his punt returning was just outstanding. And uh, you know, one of the things that that you don't really think about, but there are guys who take many fewer fair catches. And I'd really need to look at that for Duvernay because it's an interesting observation you have. If he really had like fewer fair catches per punt, or mm. or he took he he really uh, took more punts in and tried to return them when people were close and bearing down because those guys really hurt their return average by doing it, but they still have some they have some explosiveness they get out of it. And it's so, and it's funny, Ken, because I was going to say those numbers. I don't even know if you could draw anything from them because most of the best returners aren't given return opportunities. So a guy like Duvernay, right. you want to kick it high. You don't want to give him a chance. So. If you have numbers saying, well, he returned a lot, well, I don't think he's very good. Or if he didn't, re- you know, it could go either way. So uh, really tough. But, yeah, just general observation. When I was reviewing them, I'm like, man, a lot of guys would have fair caught that. So uh, yeah. very very tough. So, Ken, you know, I was looking at his numbers. He had – I was looking at targets and touches because some of those jet sweeps go as carries. So mm-hmm. targets and touches, his rookie year, he only had 30. Last year, that went up to 54. Um, so for to me, uh, uh, an increase to say 70, 80, to me, that would be a successful uh, season for Duvernay because you can only be a gadget guy so much. So if he's getting 80 targets or touches this year instead of 54 from last year, to me, that's saying he's running more of the route tree and getting more of an opportunity as a receiver. Okay, I, I kind of want to dig into some component elements, but I will say from a statistical standpoint, the really troublesome number for Duvernay is the drop to 5.8 yards per target. That's just not very good. Some of that obviously has to do with Huntley. Huntley, you know, I think you mentioned in our production meeting that they schemed him open a lot of the year. Well, they really had to scheme pocket awareness for Huntley. As I've said a number of times on the show, I'm sure people have heard this before, but but they because he was so unaware in the pocket, they had to scheme the ball out quickly. Um, and a lot of that really cut into production numbers for uh, Brown, for example, but I think also for Duvernay, probably to a lesser degree. Uh, and, and obviously, it also compacts the area the defense has to cover, which is also going to cut down on, uh, on opportunities for, for bigger plays. And it's going to cut down on yards per play. So Duvernay was one of the people who suffered from that. He did. And, you know, uh, another number, 8.2 yards per reception. Not good. 8.2 yards per catch, Ken, for a guy who's pretty good at yak. I mean, Mm -hmm. if if you can't beat somebody, he's not quick shake guy, but he's going to drag people all game long with his burst and strength. Uh, Very strong player, good yak player. So 8.2 yards per catch. We got to get better than that. And something else I mentioned in a production meeting is uh, when you were talking about having the scheme Duvernay open or choosing that instead of him winning Mm one-on-one. We saw it early in week four against Denver, end of the game trying to close that game out. Duvernay's lined up against Patrick Sertan, high draft pick, rookie for the Broncos, beats him on a slant route and helps the Ravens win that game. And I was so excited, Ken, because that was the next step for Duvernay. But here we are a year later, and we're still looking for him to do that on a consistent basis. Uh, A lot of these routes, Ken, I see are clear out routes when he's lined up in the slot. Looks like Mm -hmm. he's just headed straight up the field. And maybe I can build on that later. Okay, that, that's a you know that's a good point because I think one of the problems with Duvernay is he doesn't get enough uh, vertical releases on the field. Period, is that he because so much of his uh, time on the field is showing some sort of horizontal motion for, to the opponent, he rarely gets that nice clean release. And those horizontal motions they have they limit the route tree then that that he can run. It's kind of like chip blocking uh, limits your route tree very significantly as as a 
as a player. You're limited to, to you know, an out route, a, you know, a, a, a few things that would that would threaten the, the scene just a few years down the field. But the thing I want to see from Duvernay that relates to releases off the line of scrimmage is two major things. One is the ability to beat press coverage. And I think he has the strength to do it. I'm not sure if he quite has the length to do it. And he's got to find what will what will work for him in terms of release moves or at least make the find a way to to make the opponent pay for coming up in press coverage. So that's number one. I want to give you a chance to respond to that too, but but I want to give you number two as well is the guy needs to get to the top of the route tree to show any wiggle uh, for for an opposing corner. So he's got to get to a point where the route tree essentially begins and he can make a cut and do a dig route or a, a post or whatever he might run from there. Um, he's got to have the ability to wiggle that corner at that point. And, and he needs some moves for wiggle probably, but honestly, we haven't seen enough of him just getting to the top of the route tree in terms of the routes he's run for the Ravens. All great points. And on these more, what we're calling gadget plays, the, the assignment for him is simple. He's either going to get the ball or he's not going to get the ball. Then he's going to leak out into the flat. And basically he's threatening the opposite edge where he's coming in motion. He's going to threaten that side. We're either going to give him the ball or it's going to be a fake. Maybe he's the last check down option, but that all of that has taken away from what we can gather for him simply lined up on the line of scrimmage or off the line of scrimmage in the slot and running routes. Ken, all I'm seeing are slant routes and drag routes for the most mm-hmm. part. And, um, you know, very few outbreaking routes. I think I saw one uh, completed when the Dolphins went cover zero the whole the whole game, uh, where Duvernay just kind of released. It was a rounded type out route one time, but it basically, Ken, he's just basically uh, running in breaking routes, uh, and a lot of times versus zone, finding the open area and just settling in there or being like, like a, a tight end down option, right? Like a tight end. Or the other thing I see from him, Ken. Is he? I can't figure out whether he's just a decoy clearing out space, or if he's, uh, you know, actually in the route progression. But he'll just take off and go straight up the seam and trying to open that area up for somebody else like a Hollywood or an Andrews. So he's not getting the ball a lot when he's lined up as a strictly as a receiver. Yeah, if if that is to be effective, if the fly routes are to be effective, where he's he's you know running a nine. He's really got to draw two coverage persons. He's he's either got to take the take the first level guy out of position, which gets somebody on a crossing route or whatever to to, to make space for them, or he's he's got to take that guy for longer. Also take the number two guy. You can even cross over to the opposite side of the field, and that other safety uh, might get involved. I mean, or one of the safeties might get involved. Let's put it that way. Uh, one for, wh- where he creates bracket coverage out of that. But if he's all he's doing is ending by creating man coverage at the end of that route and the ball's not getting thrown to him on any regular basis, then effectively he's been taken out of the play by one defender and you can't afford to have that. Remember you, know, the, you have five receivers and you have, you, you can't have seven guys in coverage. So a one for one trade-off is like trading, trading rooks when you're behind in a chess game, you don't want to do it. That's right. There so, you go. That's <laughs> a good, that's a good analogy. Yes. Yeah. He, you know, if you're going to draw a man deep, uh, you know, if you're on taking away one safety, you're really not changing the numbers. I mean, it does help to clear out space if you're taking away a safety and Andrews or Hollywood was coming underneath and it just gave them that extra space they needed to make a complete pass. But, you know, I'm sitting here wondering, Ken, whether he's in the progression at all. Uh, isn't an issue where Lamar just doesn't feel comfortable letting it fly when Duvernay's not really open. You know what I mean? The safety sees him coming from a mile away. 
Um, you know, it could be a 50 50 ball situation in those on those throws. But uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking for Duvernay to me and a successful year would be if we could use him more than eight, more than 54 times. And if he can get that yards per reception up considerably so mm-hmm. um, maybe a 20 percent increase get me to 11 get me to 11 yards per reception or your yards per target number same type type of thing and uh, let's see if we can give him targets or touches 80 times this season instead of the 54 I've written down for last year that's a that's a that'd be a big increase and and I'd, I'd be great with that I I, I I still have some component things I want to talk about because I I want Duvernay to one track the ball better and I know there there'd been a lot of there have been some points made about Duvernay not getting a number of catchable longer targets. And I, I'm still not entirely convinced that's not partially on him. And the reason is, if you don't have wiggle at the top of your route, if you don't have some ability to make the opponent think you're doing something else than what you are doing, then the quality of your, of your options you're giving the quarterback is not going to be as great. And you're going to tend to have more uh, kind of, planned overthrows he, th- he throws you the ball but he throws you the ball in a way only you can catch it and that greatly reduces the the catch percentage on those kind of situations and often creates an uncatchable ball frankly so it, it still is partially the fault of the receiver under those under those circumstances so i want to see wiggle at the top of the route i want to see him track the ball a little better when it's in the air to him uh, on deep throws which is something that that'll become more important when the throws when 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 he becomes more open is 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 I'll put it, uh, and then you mentioned this, but it's very important. He needs to become a yak specialist. In, you know, a guy who who knows how to juke that first defender. And for all of Hollywood's greatness on, on, on the deep ball, he never became that. Never became that. He's he's a basically a, a if if he if he caught the ball before the third level of the defense, he'd go down pretty pretty darn quickly. Considering Andrews is our main target. I mean, we, we don't have a lot of that on this team from the receiver room at this point. I think Bateman's a better than average yak guy. That's one thing that I think sneakily is a sneaky quality about him that most people don't see. Maybe I'm higher on him in that area, but Bateman is has his move prepared as soon as he catches the ball, gets up field quickly, tucks it, dependable, uh, tough. Uh, you know, he's not the jukiest guy, but Bateman will get yak. But other than that, we really don't have a lot because – uh, as it relates to Duvernay, he is a very segmented athlete. Uh, there's it's segmented slant routes, drag routes. That's what you're getting mm-hmm. from him in the open, in the open field, spread the edge, head up the seam. I mean, that's pretty much what he's doing. And when you're talking about, well, you know, uh, the space and uh, who, who you put place the blame on for lack of targets deep. I do think that it goes, uh, it's a gray area, but a lot of that is going on Duvernay's shoulders. Mm-hmm. A couple of times, Ken, I mean, you know, it's not either either or situation. There was a few times, handful of times maybe, where I said, man, Lamar, you could have took a look there and maybe gave him a shot on the outside and just let him to the ball. And, you know, so I, I would say, Lamar, come on, Lamar. And, but most of the time it's, you know, Duvernay is running into no man's land. And that's why I said it looks more like he's a decoy. Can't figure out if he's a decoy and actual target in that progression. Um, and if Lamar sees Andrews or Hollywood breaking over the middle, he's going to hit them and not try to take the big shot. Lamar can manage a game, especially when we're ahead. So maybe that has something to do it, do with it too. But, but yes, I, I'm, I'm just super interested in, in Duvernay's role this year because he's very good. I think at what he's asked to do. I think he does get you some powerful yak 
as far as he's not taking a loss. He's getting the ball heading up field with burst, dra- you know, and power dragging people with him. But he's not going to make three guys miss and, and take it 70 yards. It's just he's just not that type of uh, fleet and have that type of fluidity in his hips. Very tight mm-hmm. hips. All right. Well, let's let's uh, talk about setting expectations in terms of what's a good year and what's a great year, and that's what we've been trying to do for for each of these players. But I, I've got to I've got to think. But why don't you go first in terms of what's a good year for Duvernay? I think a good year would be a year like last year. That's my maybe uh, maybe it's because I don't expect him to progress as a route runner. I don't. I just don't see that happening out of the blue. Uh, him turning into a guy who can separate at the top of the route and really. Uh, you know, just move laterally quickly. I don't see it. So if he has a, an all pro kick return, punt return year, and we give him the ball about 50, 60 times, and he's able to com- make some conversions. I mean, a lot of those are nice plays on first down two can it's first and 10, you know, jet sweep the Duvernay seven yards. Okay. You know, it's not an explosive play, but you're set up with second and three, keeping the offense on schedule. Mm-hmm. So to me, that would, I would say that's a good year for Duvernay. Great year. Uh, like I was saying earlier, give me in the, or do you want to go with your good year? I, I'll, I'll go with my good year because okay. it's very similar to yours. Uh, it's, it's, it's just continued the outstanding play as a return man. Absolutely. And to take on the most important gadget roles. So, you know, they've, they've got gadget roles that other people take as well. In fact, it's still a very heavy tight end fullback motion team, which by the way, it's it, it, when, when I say that, that takes a lot away from what the receivers can do in an offense like the Ravens, because they, they, they don't have motion to release. Uh, and, and there are limiting components to that, of course, but they don't have motion to release, uh, generally speaking, because the Ravens try to use the, so much of that to, to help the run game effectively with their, with their tight end and, uh, and fullback motion, particularly all the plays we see where Ricard or Boyle uh, is the snap comes either immediately before or immediately after they cross the center. Look for those plays because that means they're usually involved in the blocking some way, you know, in the front five there. Uh, but but it's uh, you know it's it's a that's that's a takeaway from. So I'd like to see him get um, some. In addition to that, I got a little greedy and I want to have some more standard receiving, which means he gets a normal release from the line of scrimmage. I think he'll get more snaps, so I think he has he should have the option to play more of those where he's he's a, a standard set piece on the outside, releases down the field, and gets an opportunity to wiggle at the top of the route. Okay, so for me, that's that's where I start going into great, great year okay. uh, land. Uh, just for me personally, there, there are going to be plenty of targets vacated with Hollywood's absence. There are a number of guys who could fill a number of roles. Is Prochet now your slot guy, and is DuVernay on the outside more? Uh, is DuVernay in the slot, you know, he gets a couple of those deep shots. So what I'm looking for, for a great year from Duvernay would be, you get that number up from 54 touches and targets up to in the eighties, somewhere in the eighties. So, uh, you know, that's a very good increase percentage wise. And then instead of being at say eight yards a catch, uh, seven yards a catch where he's been the first couple of years, I want to see him up around 11. So look for that 20% increase about, I mean, you're a math guy. I don't know if I'm off on the math there, but if he can take 20%, of what Hollywood vacated in addition to what he has been doing on this team, I would say that's a great year. You know, it would be the next step. Uh, and I'll add to that, Ken, like you're saying, a more diverse route uh, tree as a receiver, strictly as a receiver, not in motion, lined up somewhere, 
can he run an out route? Can he run a stop route? Is he going to keep moving on the scramble drill and find Lamar's eyes and find some targets in that way? That's uh, a good one. I, I just want to see him evolve just a little bit. It doesn't have to be all those areas, Ken, and you know it won't be all those areas. But if he can just take steps, small steps in, in a bunch of areas or a big step in one particular area, it would raise those numbers a lot. I mean, there's nowhere to go, I think, but up. Uh, for his statistics, Ken, because I think he has a stranglehold on that gadget job. You know what I mean? Like he's pretty darn good at it. It's just there's not a lot of uh, meat on the bone there to be had, but he's pretty good at what he's what he's asked to do. It's it, it, he hasn't excelled at it so far in 5.8 yards per, per target. It's a very troubling number because, you know, I, I look for him to be like Ray Rice, basically, as a gadget guy, which may be unfair because Ray Rice was a, was, a, was a special athlete in a lot of ways. But, you know, Ray Rice would have been a, a seven and a half or, or more yards per target guy who ran a lot of screen passes. Well, DuVernay has the, has the advantage of having a lot more downfield throws where he should be he should be adding to that. Rice had a lot of his receptions were behind the line of scrimmage. In fact, one year, he had more yak than he had receiving yards, which means his average catch was behind the line of scrimmage. Right. That's that's, yeah. that's just so funny. Yeah. Hey, man, yeah. he, he would make me nervous with that too because Flacco would just find him in all kinds of trash and angles. Yeah. And on TV especially, it's like, oh, my God, he's throwing in a pile of like 10 people. And then here comes Ray Rice squirt now. But, uh, there you go. Yeah. But yeah, okay. So you're looking for a little bit more than I am for Duvernay this year is what I'm gathering. I, I'll, I'll give you my great. My great is to become a reliable Y or Z receiver who's a viable deep threat and has has more moves than he's had before at the top of the route. And I'm not trying to define it in terms of numbers specifically or in terms of uh, awards or things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. even, the, even all pro is a punt return. If he was the second best punt return in the league, that'd be fine. There some other you know rookie comes in. so so I'm not really all fixated on that but but I but I do think that uh, but he needs to become a more reliable receiver this year and he, and he needs to actually be a viable receiver who could do something at the top of the tree that's really the big the big thing it, it would really help the team too Ken if he can oh, yeah. if he can win as a wide receiver I mean there there's there's a hole there we're gonna need somebody else to do it aside from Rashad Bateman and of course Andrews but. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so we're we're similar on that. You know, it's just kind of how we're terming it. But, yeah, give me a little bit more in the passing game, uh, DuVernay. Uh, aside from being schemed open, I want to see you get yourself open. We'll put it like that. There you go. Let's let's move on and talk about Zacoby McLean because I know you're interested in this one. And I, I am too. Uh, obviously, a undrafted free agent inside linebacker from Auburn. If folks who don't know who he is, a little bit undersized, just under 6 feet, 227, somewhat slow. But I think he, if you look at the tape, I think he plays faster than his 469 speed. Unfortunately, the thing I really noticed was not a great guy in terms of shedding blocks. And that's a problem we've had on the inside already. I, I would say the same thing. I, I think he does get stuck on blocks. But uh, the thing that counteracts that or makes it not an issue is he takes on blocks uh, ferociously. So if he's not shedding it, he is very instinctive, like you said, uh, a four six nine forty. But he plays very fa- he plays faster mm-hmm. than that. I wouldn't have thought he would have ran a four six nine at the combine. Uh, very instinctive, so that allows you to play fast. And if he's not shedding a block, uh, he is trying his butt off to affect the play. Really takes ownership of every single tackle. If he catches you half stepping, trying to uh, glide out of bounds, he's going to try to get there and make you pay. So there's an overall just attitude uh, that allows him to play, I think. And, and his instincts are very good, something we'll talk about. But uh, 
But yeah, if you want to pick on him for shedding blocks, I I agree. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. He's short armed. Uh, he doesn't. I was surprised that he was 5'11", 220, 220 something. I, I you know on the field he looked six foot and two thirty two because he's just such a hard hitter. But uh, but yeah, a little limited athletically, Ken. But would you would you you know one of the other things and this is it's it's easy for us to see things differently if we're looking at at, at films. So one of the things I kind of noticed was he's a little bit more of a twister than a drive through the body as a tackler. So I like to see I like to see the Leo Chanel kind of. You're hitting a brick wall when you hit him. When he misses, he twists you down. When he hits you, he drives right through your belt and drives you back four yards. Uh, I, I I didn't see that from Zacoby McLean in the same way. I saw more, much more twisting. And I'm, I have to ask the question if that's a function of size uh, as much as, um, you know, his own tackling style and and, and skill. I'll have to go back and tell you what games I watch, but uh, I don't have it written down in my short notes here. But uh, Ken, you know, he has a lot of tackles, so mm-hmm. um, it, it would be easy for us to watch different games. So I've seen him do the Leo Chanel plenty of times and bring the uh, stadium to its feet. Uh, very fearless player, but uh, but yes, sometimes there will be a bigger back or a bigger bigger target, and if he doesn't think he can uh, make there, I mean, he's a very short tackler. He mm-hmm. will drag you to the ground as well, alligator style, as, as uh, I've heard you say before. Um, I wanted to talk about his instincts, though, Ken. Uh, six pass defend, uh, six passes defended yep. last year. Um, and I kind of compare him to what, what you see in Josh Bynes, which is a guy yep. that is just very instinctive. He doesn't – when I saw he wasn't right, taking the bait and you know vacating his area too soon. He had his eyes scanning the field really well. So we're talking about a veteran type rookie undrafted linebacker, someone that has a really good feel for the game, very disciplined as far as in the run game too. But uh, what what did you see in the uh, in his pass defense? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I agree. I think his pass defense is the reason why he's with the Ravens right now. I, I I don't think it's really his run defense, even though he's been a good tackler, a good pursuit player. They 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 like that. There's no doubt about it. But I, I think he is still a little bit undersized for the NFL. We'll see if that if it works out for him or not there. I, in terms of pass defense, you're right. Josh Bynes is a good comp. He plays faster than speed in run defense, uh, gets more quickly to a spot. I think he plays pretty good positional run defense uh, in terms of, of playing with a good – and it's a well-coached Auburn team. You would expect nothing less than that. But but I think the thing that is really interested the Ravens is what he can do in pass defense. And, and he's got a – uh, more instinctive quarterback reading lane obstructing manner about his play that I really like. And, uh, uh, you know, that that's, uh, you know, I, I couldn't map out each of his passes defensed to that particular quality, but it's easy to see that in him that he's still reading the backfield well in zone defense. Whereas, you know, we, the Ravens obviously in recent years with some of their inside linebackers have had a lot of trouble with people not understanding where anybody is between level two and three. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you agree agree with me at least somewhat on that um, because uh, actually really agreed with me because um, this is one of the reasons I'm excited about this guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, he's an undrafted guy, you know, so obviously there's there's he's not a perfect player, a perfect athlete, all of that. But you're talking about he's well coached. His opponents were also well coached in the SEC, the, the best league in college football. So he saw a lot of good football and he played a lot of football. He played all four years, uh, I believe started the last two, led the SEC in solo tackles in 2020. Uh, he had 113 total, 57 uh, solos. 
uh, had, you know, racked up a bunch of tackles again this, this year, but there's an, an it factor. And, uh, well, I mentioned, I think he plays bigger than his size when I was watching him in the, in the uh, draft process, I'm like, all right, six foot, you know, but he, he really does play like a dog. He's got that it factor. There's something about him that I'd like. I just like his aggressiveness. And, um, he's one of those guys, uh, a tone setter, people rally around him. He, he was the clear leader on that defense mm-hmm. as far as they expect him to make a play. And he looks like he expects to make every tackle. I love the fact that, uh, like to give you an example, Ken, you got two guys in the area and, you know, on the ball carrier and they're struggling to bring him down. Zacoby McLean's already in action trying to get him on that tackle. He's not assuming any type of tackle. He's not assuming the guy's going out of bounds. He is trying to get yeah. there. And I like that ele- element to his game. And I'll throw it to you on this, Ken. I expect him to be good on special teams for that reason, which is really the key. Yeah, you know, that's a great, that is a great point. But, I, you know, early Ray Lewis and really all through Ray Lewis's career, uh, he was still a great pursuit player. Uh, where he's where he's always never assumed the guy was going down, always headed towards the football. Didn't matter what what level it was. Didn't matter we think how tired he was in the game. I can't actually speak to that directly, but but we we it, it, fantastic pursuit player. McLean, you get that. You get a very high effort, high motor linebacker. That's not the that's not the issue at all. Of course, there is something to be said about the very high tackle totals being partly a product of that. Is that yes, he's he's accumulating some additional tackles, which are effort motor tackles where he's getting in the, in on the assist as opposed to the primary tackle. Or maybe he's making the primary tackle, but it's because somebody missed downfield. Those are important, by the way. Mm-hmm. It don't, I, I don't want to minimize that in any way, but but uh, uh you know, I, I I I like him as a tackler, and I think you're right, it will translate well to special teams where it's a lot of it is about effort. Now you got to be in position on special teams too. So there's another element there. But he's played good positional run defense, so, and linebackers typically adapt pretty well to special teams. So I think he'd be a natural for that. And uh, and why don't we move on? What what do you consider a good year for Jacoby McClain? I think a good year is that he finds himself on the active active roster at some point in the season. Maybe starts in the practice squad, is trusted, and when you know, opportunities arise. He's one of those guys that can fill in. He can be a core special team player and maybe find his way on the field. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at him. Uh, well, I'll just stop there and let you go uh, for it. I, I mean, I'd say a very similar. I, I'd say the Raven, he makes obvious to the Ravens who he is as a player and the Ravens see the promise. They keep him on the practice squad. At least of course, depth can always break down in camp. It doesn't always break down in the season as we've seen before. And, and he could get an opportunity coming out. Um, but he gets an opportunity at some point due to injury. This is a case where it's good for him, but it's bad for the team. We, we just did one on Patrick McCary the other day, and and my my point about him was a, a perfect year for Patrick McCary is he doesn't get any snaps as the sixth offensive lineman, but he's active for every game. Mm. That's that's perfect because you know then you know nobody's getting hurt and everybody's playing pretty well, or McCary would be replacing them. You know, it, and uh, th- those are a good thing. In case of of McLean, I think if he does get an opportunity, and there's always a pretty good chance that will. Uh, that he'll get a good opportunity on special teams if he gets active on game day. And he may may also get some rotational series at inside linebacker where the Ravens have shown a willingness to do that. So I, I would say that would be a, a, a really good year if he, if he did that. How about a great year? What do you think? Great year is I think that he takes Christian Welch's job somewhere along the line, um, just to put it in basic terms, whether Bynes is healthy and Queen's healthy, everybody's still healthy. So we're not even counting the injury factor. Mm-hmm. We're just saying, look, we'll reset the clock on Christian Welch 
we think this guy's just as good as a linebacker, just as good as a special team player. There's something about this guy. We think he could have a shot to um, succeed Bynes, you know, in the near future and be a middle linebacker for this team. Um, so that would be a great year for me if he is ahead of Welch, say, on the depth chart uh, behind Bynes and Queen. That's a very specific goal, and and it's not an unreasonable one. It's also a relative goal, which I like, as opposed to, you know, I'd like him to gather 50 tackles or I'd like him to do this mm-hmm. or that. Um, I, I, here's what I would say is a great year for Zacogna McClain. If his past defense awareness is become so apparent to the Ravens in camp that they cannot leave him off the team and he becomes the next UDFA line, I don't really care who he replaces. I don't care if they release Josh Bynes. I don't care if it's McLean. I don't care if they were they were going to keep four linebackers uh, or, or three linebackers before. Now they keep four uh, or they keep five instead of four or whatever it was. I want his pass defense to be the reason. If if that's it, then there's a role for him on this team because this team is one that that's used board and other linebackers in the past. LJ Fort comes to mind. Uh, who were specific pass coverage inside linebackers when they didn't want to get a little smaller on passing downs. And I think that's, that is a legitimate and completely open opportunity on this team, which is now the, the guy I would say is Tony Jefferson has that role. But, right. but, uh, but if, uh, if Zacoby McLean came along and played great pass defense, maybe he's the guy. So there you go. And you're looking at even just depth chart, your your second middle linebacker. Say you want to keep Queen at will and let him thrive. It mm-hmm. seems like the Ravens are, are going that way to where, yes, it's Josh Bynes. And then if Josh Bynes, something happens to him, it's Kobe McLean right behind him in that spot. I think that that's the ceiling for him. I think he can make that spot. And you said that the you pointed out that the Ravens sub Bynes in and out a little bit towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and that, that would be Zacoby McLean in that spot. Um, to me, that would show that the coaches trust him uh, as more as a core special teamer and someone that they can trust on running downs and maybe can passing down. So that, that would be a huge spot for him. But yeah, Tony Jefferson in that spot or someone uh, on passing downs would be ideal. But on those early rundowns, if Zacoby right. McLean is in the lineup. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think you know you still need pass defense on those early downs, That's which is right. one of the things we kind of forget is that you know you can put in all these huge behemoth nose tackles to stop the Browns' run game, but you also need pass defense. Yeah, they're they're still allowed <laughs> to throw it on first and ten. Believe yeah. it or not, they're still allowed to throw the ball. Yes. I, Outstanding. Always fun to talk football with you, Jason. We'll, we're we'll ha- we're going to have you back on later for one of these shows, uh, I, I know, and that'll be a lot of fun as well. It includes Josh Bynes, if I recall correctly. Yeah, buddy. And uh, uh, tell folks again where they can find your stuff and your videos and whatnot. Sure. It's at Huddle It Up Films on Twitter and Huddle It Up Films on YouTube. I would encourage you to go to my YouTube channel. There's plenty there. Uh, It it complements Ken's series really well, actually. I'm going to be doing kind of a similar series on my channel coming up soon where I'm talking to guests about the position group. So I'm doing a little different, but um. But yeah, you know, if you want to say, what did John, Josh Bynes look like? Or what did Devin Duvernay for today's show look like? What did his touches look like? Go to the channel, check it out. You'll see what we're saying. He's schemed in motion a lot. A lot of times they'll have uh, like a uh, Mark Andrews or and another receiver, a blocking receiver on that side. And if they give him the ball, he'll have blockers in front of him, um, see his returns, uh, see how he's moving. So I encourage you to keep you busy. I have pretty much every player on the team on that channel from last year. And if you want to go back and look at some 2020 stuff, uh, the channel's been up for a couple of years now. So plenty of film, 
plenty of good guests on that one channel as well. They can and the others in our community. So, um, you know, football is family. I really appreciate you for having me on, Ken. All right. Outstanding, Jason. Always great to have you. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short this summer, doing all kinds of interesting series. Uh, hit me up with your idea. DMs are open on Twitter. We have a guy doing the Evolution of the Game series, which is going to be four pods. We did the first already. Just outstanding in terms of his thoughts and and, and some of the interesting discussion that created. I enjoyed it a ton. Nice. So uh, so yeah, it'll be it'll it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, you know, has is the NFL going too far in any direction? Really, is the is is what we're thinking about, or where can they grow and and how is the game played? Maybe some multiple facets of the evolution of the game. Anyway, a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, hit me up, please. I'll get back to you very quickly on your idea. Jason, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.